I'm Wendy Michelle, personal trainer and nutritionist turned researcher, innovator, and precision wellness specialist. Welcome to Whole, Healthy, and Free. This podcast is all about equipping you with cutting-edge tools and information for accomplishing your health goals and becoming your best version of you. I have collectively spent over 20 years behind the scenes in clinical healthcare, in food and supplement manufacturing, in alternative medicine, and fitness marketing. What I've seen behind closed doors and experienced in real life has provided me with an education no formal textbook would dare to write about. From it all, I learned that health is much easier than it has been presented to be. People are capable of way more than they realize. And the majority of what masquerades as healthy is commonly what actually contributes to illness. I break it all down and bring it all to light for the sole purpose of giving you your power back so you can reclaim your health to live whole, healthy, and free. Welcome to Whole, Healthy, and Free, Defying the Limitations for Personal Breakthrough, Episode 1. So considering this is my first podcast, I felt it would be important to expand a bit on the purpose of it and the inspiration behind it. In all honesty, a podcast was, was not part of my plan. So please forgive me as I stumble along feeling very uncomfortable, but honored nonetheless. I suppose the best place to start is with a little about me and how I even ended up behind this microphone talking about such random but very much connected topics that will help you defy your limitations for your own personal breakthroughs. For there to be victorious moments, breakthrough moments, and defying limitations, unfortunately, there must first be many moments of defeat and obstacles and failure. Most people actually don't like to talk about those moments because, well, they're not very marketable and they're hard to talk about because going over failures and and things you've been through, it's very personal and it's vulnerable. They don't really make great affirmation cards and, and not a lot of good quotables come out of conversations around failures and obstacles, but I think it's really important to start there. So today I'm going to take you through some of my personal and professional obstacles and failures. And I'll share what I learned and also how I overcame most of them. And to be honest with you, I'm still overcoming a lot of things. I think we all are. I hope that this will better set up the coming episodes and will stand as evidence that when I say anything is possible, it is not just wishful thinking. I mean it because I have lived it and boy, have I lived it. I have lived a lot of life in a short amount of time. Disclaimer must be added here that these are my personal experiences. They are not suggestions or medical advice. It's just what I've witnessed and the things that I've been through and and what I believe will bring hope and inspiration to others. I won't go so far back as little Wendy, although there is probably at least an entire episode worth of laughs and tears laughs at my expense especially, so I'll skip over that for now. In summary, I grew up in Montana through elementary school, and I finished out junior high and high school in Arizona. I was super into dance and cheer. I volunteered at retirement homes. I was in community plays. I excelled in school when I wanted to, let's be honest. Uh, I never really sat still. I had tons of energy and ideas, and I had my first encounter with the gym when I was around 15 years old. I instantly loved the sound of free weights, and I loved how I could change what I ate, and that would change my body composition, and I could be strong. I mean, I loved the whole thing. I started learning about 
applying diets and, and, and different ways to manipulate food and supplementation very early on. It also was about the same time that I found out I was pregnant. Surprise! <laughs> Let's just say there was not a lot of congratulations going around. Instead, a lot of what I was told centered around things like that my life would be ruined. I was told I was worthless and that I should expect to be poor and that I was selfish. I was told I was stupid, that I had nothing to offer a child and I would be a burden to the world. It was hardly, <laughs> it was hardly a pep talk at the time that I really needed help. I really needed somebody to support me. And I feel like everywhere I turned was just negative information and all the reasons why I would never succeed. I've actually never really shared this part of my story. Not so much because I'm embarrassed by it, but just because there's there's this overall stigma around teen pregnancy, and it makes it really hard to be open about these things because there's this instantaneous judgment. But I feel like it's an important element to the overall context of this podcast. Although I was only 16, I realized that the, the judgment and the stigma wasn't going to just be directed at me, but that my, my child would actually be, you know, have to deal with that as well. And, and, and knowing this obviously set me up for a lot of pretending. And I hate pretending, but I realized it was the only way that I was going to be able to protect her through the process of raising her. I couldn't let anyone know how young I was. I had to pretend that I was more mature than I really was, that I knew more than I really knew. All of this for the sake of normalcy. I mean, this is my 16-year-old mind processing through all this stuff. So right or wrong, uh, it's what I did. Through the process, I learned that no matter what I did, anyway, I was being judged. So somehow and somewhere along the line, I just learned how to leverage it as a motivator, that the judgment somehow became fuel to light this fire in me to be determined to exceed not only other people's expectations, but my own expectations, which were already very high. I'm definitely my own worst critic. And this was a whole other level of pressure that I don't know many 16-year-olds are ready for. Being a parent is hard enough, but the pressure to, to meet the expectations of the world in that way was a whole other level. I also learned that in many ways I was alone and that I would need to fight for myself and that very few people actually could be trusted. And there was even fewer who were cheering for me to succeed. I learned that I would be misunderstood, and that was fine. I would do what I felt was right for my daughter, even if that meant being the outcast of the PTO meetings. I'm totally joking. I actually never, I actually never went to a PTO meeting. <laughs> I actually defied every limitation that was set before me. I finished high school on time with college credits while working full-time. Kylie, my daughter, and I lived in New York for a bit where I was an insurance agent by day and a personal trainer in the Bronx by night, and then some other nights I was even a dance teacher. I became a risk manager handling multi-million dollar portfolios for national and international corporations by the time I was 22. I'm not really sure who thought it was a good idea to give me the responsibility of handling their multi-million dollar books, but apparently I was really great at mitigating risk and contract interpretation and reducing people's liabilities. It also gave me this ability to learn about the corporate business model, to see how different 
types of business worked, the different categories of business, how they were structured, how they grew, um, the obstacles that they faced. It was really awesome because I learned just by being in this particular career, risk versus reward, that actually a lot of people were also faking it until they made it, that too often money mattered more than people and that titles on your business card mattered more than character and that getting deals signed was more important than integrity. And these were interesting things to observe, especially as a very young adult. And I was fortunate to be able to be in these big conference room deals because this became of great value to me later on in my life. By 24, I had built my first home. I was rapidly climbing the proverbial career ladder, and I was quite successful according to the terms of the world, I suppose. I was living the American dream, and I decided to enter the wonderful world of fitness competition. Just for fun, as a side gig, it was going to be, I thought it would be a fun experiment. I ended up placing second in my first show, and then I started to hustle supplements at bodybuilding conventions, all while training clients in my spare time, who also were getting amazing results. By the time I was 25, I was coaching other teen moms and giving back to the community that I was told at one time that I was going to be a burden to. That was a personal breakthrough. My life looked the exact opposite from what I was told it would look like. The experts had their version of what my future looked like, and I defied those limitations big time. It was a huge win, but it wasn't my last obstacle, not even close. Now, when I say I was living a healthy lifestyle, I mean it. Like, I was into it hardcore. I was training every day. I was running or rollerblading on my lunch hours. So when I started having these, like, weird stomach issues, it was very unusual. And along with the stomach pains came anxiety seemingly out of nowhere. I was prescribed some anti-anxiety drug, and I tried it. I actually think it made things worse. So I started doing my own research, and here I was again, feeling like I didn't really have anybody to turn to, so I would just take it on myself. This was before there was a gluten-free section in the grocery store, and people were actually not even talking about gluten at the time. But I did find some protocols through research on eliminating gluten from the diet and, and why it was causing issues. And I tested it out for myself, which did actually help both symptoms. However, over time, both returned, and this time, they brought some friends. (laughs) They brought joint pain, and I had muscle stiffness. Like, my toes would bend backwards. I I, I don't even know the toes could do that. (laughs) They would bend backwards and then lock up there. I had skin lesions and rashes and bloating and heart palpitations. I was exhausted. There's not even, there actually need a different word for it, but exhausted is the best I can do. My eyes were doing crazy things. I had light sensitivity. I would have like random blindness that would come and go. I mean, it all sounds crazy. Believe me, I went through, when I was going through it, I was like, what is happening? I had random pains in my side. I had dizziness and I had this strange feeling in my hips that felt like I needed to stretch them out all the time. All of this without explanation. And over the course of a few months, they progressed and they kept getting worse. And I was going to all these different specialists and nobody could really help me out. I also kept the bulk of this to myself because, well, well, pride, obviously. And what I did share, I really minimized it. All my friends were active and healthy and they went to the gym or they were in the fitness industry. And 
you know, nobody really teaches people in their mid-20s how to deal with a sick person. And that was me. I was sick. I was really sick. So I just tried to deal with it in private, all while pretending to be fine. (laughs) Again, here I am pretending. I'm very good at pretending so that others didn't know what I was really going through. I was faced with this health obstacle and I was just going to pretend my way through it and work it out alone. That was my plan. I was also pretending and minimizing it, though, so that my daughter wouldn't be worried. I was also trying to not lose my job. And I I really didn't want to be seen as weak because I was known as like this health person. You know, I was a personal trainer and nutritionist and you know, people were coming to me for help with their health. And here I was um, obviously not doing a very good job of it. Um, I was just pretending to be fine to the best of my ability. But meanwhile, I was dying, dying inside, literally. And the pretending actually didn't serve me very well because the symptoms eventually turned into seizures. I had a mini stroke. And the most frightening to me was when I was unable to walk. And all of this seemed to have come out of nowhere. It literally all happened over the course of a couple of months. While I was going from specialist to specialist, I was also reading all of their textbooks, the medical textbooks. I was asking all the questions, and honestly, I was treated terribly. All I wanted was my health back. I was willing to do anything, and I was trying everything. The doctors that I was seeing did not really like my questions. And there was a lot of dismissing of my concerns. I didn't feel heard. I didn't feel seen. I just It was, I already felt terrible physically and then emotionally and mentally, this whole doctor to doctor thing was just overwhelming. I was diagnosed with everything under the sun from cancer to MS and even (laughs) there was this one doctor that I waited six months to see and she said the reason why I couldn't walk was because I was too flexible. (laughs) Anyway, The only options these doctors had for me were prescription drugs, and I mean a lot of prescription drugs. Um, They had me on Oxycontin, Percocet, Clonopin, uh, Wellbutrin. I was on some beta blocker because my heart rate was like 130 at resting, which is pretty wild. I was on cortisol and Xanax. Now, this whole part actually still is hard to talk about. One, because I don't really spend a lot of time focusing on it. It was just such a nightmare. The reality was I didn't want any of this medication, but I also couldn't move without it. The pain was so bad. The anxiety was so bad. The risk of having a seizure in the middle of a huge presentation, not a good idea. (laughs) And I'm trying to keep my job, and I'm also trying to, you know, maintain some level of peace in my household and Without the beta blocker, my heart was out of control. And, and while I didn't think I was depressed, they told me I was. And I didn't think that I had like clinical anxiety, but they told me I did. So I, I took the medication because I, I believed them and I trusted them. And I, I had no other explanation, so that's just what I did. What I did know is that I had anger. <laughs> I had a lot of anger because nobody would listen to me. Um, nobody would help me and nobody even made a suggestion of like, Hey, how's your diet? Or here's some supplements or here's some treatments that we have. that are kind of cutting edge. Those conversations never happened. 
I didn't have the words for it then, but I was frustrated because I knew something wasn't right. And between the six different doctors and specialists that I was seeing, I just knew when I was in there seeing them there had to be other options, that something must be intentionally left out, something must be missing. And as I expressed those feelings with the different doctors, I got a lot of pushback and basically just told, take the medication and be quiet. There were a lot of miracles in this whole thing, really. But one of the biggest miracles was the fact that I was on all these medications and I was still researching for hours daily. In fact, I learned about every disease, its symptoms, its causes, the standard tests that you would have done in order to assess, the treatment protocols, should that be the final diagnosis. And I retained this data from published studies and PubMed articles with this unbelievable capacity. It, it, it really still blows my mind how very aware I was and how well my brain worked despite all of the medication I was on and how sick I was. I should add, because I think this is an important component, that in the middle, toward the end of the worst part of the progression of my health decline, there were some pretty shocking and traumatic issues going on in my life. While they were not the cause, they definitely played a role for sure. And I add that in because I plan to expand on this in a future episode when I'll talk about emotional and mental health and the people that surround us and how they affect our health and well-being. But for now, I'll just leave it at that. So this went on for over a year, doctor to doctor, lab tests, hospitals, emergency rooms. And then one day my, ha- my dad heard an ad on the radio about a naturopathic clinic that was local, and he suggested I go. And I thought it was BS. Seriously, I had had my head buried in medical textbooks for so long, and I never saw anything about this herbal slash natural holistic m- medicine. So I thought, surely this is just got to be a joke. I went, though, just to say that I did, because I thought it would make my dad feel better. And when I went, I told the doctors that I didn't believe in what they did. But I told them that I thought that they were just going to give me a bunch of, you know, snake oil and send me home and I will be out another, I don't know how many thousands of dollars. And although I did say these things, um, and looking back, that probably wasn't very kind, but it was how I felt. But in turn, they said they had a plan to help me and that I was going to just take a couple of months to to start to feel better. And it was just going to cost me about, I don't know, $10,000. I laughed at them and I left. Not long after that, I was in the ER and they said I had six months to live, that my organs were shutting down and I had no idea why. I went home. I literally got on the floor, like facing the carpet, like ugly crying because I realized that if I didn't get better, I was going to die. And then who would raise Kylie? And I just couldn't live with that. But in addition to that, what really I feel like made me cry that day was that I realized I knew so much. I had learned so much and I was just adamant about getting answers. And I thought, if this is happening to me, how many other people are going through this? There has to be so many. And this is not okay. And I just cried out to God and I was like, God, I have to get better. I have to get better because there are so many people hurting. There are so many people who are going through this and I 
I need to get better so that I can figure out how to do this right and then help people. And then I made this promise to God that I would, if I could get better, I would spend the rest of my life doing everything that I could to prevent anyone else from having to feel like I was feeling. Obviously, I broke a lot of promises in that conversation with God, but that's probably for another episode. Anyway, I went back to the naturopath because I realized that was my only option and I was desperate. And I'll never forget what they said to me. They said, we don't know what's wrong with you, but we do know the human body and we know that it was designed in a way that it can and will heal with the right support and environment. And as soon as they said that, there was something in my gut that just told me that's true. Like I just knew that's true. I didn't know any other details. I didn't know how I was going to get there, but I knew it was real. So they made a suggestion that I try this one therapeutic shot that was a neuropeptide and, and it wasn't going to be, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. It was something that I could actually afford. And it worked. I actually walked again for the first time in a year without pain. And uh, it was miraculous. And I couldn't ignore anymore what was going on there because as I went for more treatments, I would sit in this room with other people who had come from all over the country to this clinic. And, you know, you just can't unsee what you've seen. These people had been sent home and said, say goodbye to your family. Like, there's nothing more we can do for you. And as a last resort, they went to the same clinic. And I mean, tumors were disappearing and people were getting better. And I was just observing all this. And I'm thinking to myself, how do people not know that this is real? How did I not know? How long did I go not feeling well? And this whole thing was basically in my backyard. It was literally a miracle in every way, but it was also very scientific. Because, of course, the same way I asked a bunch of questions to the doctors prior, I was asking the same questions here. And I completely changed my research. And I started looking into more things about Chinese med- traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic medicine and herbalism and homeopathy and essential oils and different nutritional protocols that I had never thought of before. I started reading about the stuff that's in our food and the stuff that's in our environment and our water. I was learning about this whole other side of medicine that I didn't know existed because it just wasn't mainstream and nobody else was talking about it. And I just felt this sense, this overwhelming sense of responsibility that I needed to do something with this information. I spent years, about four years, uh, getting better and healing my body, applying just different protocols and methodologies that I was learning. And some things worked and some things didn't work. And I realized that it, it really wasn't that there was this one magic bullet, but that our bodies are actually designed in such a unique and precise way that it is a journey to establish what things will help our body, what really supports our body to help it heal and what doesn't. And after this research, I realized I knew nothing. (laughs) I thought, I don't know anything. I can't teach people about health. This is not, this can't be my job. Uh, I realized that I wasn't taught any of these things as a nutritionist or a trainer. So what business do I have talking about it at all? Even with the thousands of hours of research, I still felt like I never wanted to be in health and wellness again from the standpoint of being paid. But I had all this information, so I figured, well, I'll, I'll just give the information away and I'll, I'll share it wherever, you know, people are. So I'll, I'll you know, do seminars. I'll, I'll just share it as much as I can because I feel like health is a human right. 
So I don't want to charge this information. I think people need it. And throughout the course of these years, I started to get better. Um, I, I realized that I, was, I had had late-stage Lyme disease. I had a few autoimmune diseases. One of them was Addison's disease, which they said my adrenals would never, ever heal. I had Hashimoto's. Um, my adrenals healed. I, I no longer needed cortisol or any of the other medication I was on. I mean, I was off of that shortly after I even got to the clinic. But all of this really was just so eye-opening, and it was on one hand such an obstacle, like an obstacle, but on the other hand, it was this gift, like this just amazing gift that I wanted to steward really well. I was fully aware of what I had been given, and it was really important to me to make sure that I handled it properly. Through this experience, I learned so much, and my whole perspective on health science and medicine shifted in a drastic and dramatic way. I learned that commonly research is manipulated to result in a desired outcome. And what matters most is not so much what the data says, but who's collecting the data and with what motive. I learned that some people are trained to believe in pharmaceuticals and that's all they have the capacity to believe in. That's all they've learned. That doesn't mean that that's that it's bad. Doesn't mean that it's wrong. I feel like pharmaceuticals have been also a modern miracle and have helped so many people, but there's more. And the fact that I couldn't have these conversations with some people was frustrating to me. I learned that the best scientists know that they are only one experiment away from being proven wrong. And that excites them, that they actually are excited about finding the truth through data. I learned that many experts have Lots of knowledge, but little vision, and I needed to be my own advocate if I wanted to continue to believe in the power and the potential of the human body. I learned that I actually couldn't trust the healthcare system the way it was being offered, and that's important to state. The healthcare system, we need healthcare providers. We need medical professionals. But the way that it was being offered to me as this is the only one thing, I couldn't trust that because what I realized is that information had been withheld from me for a long time, and I would have been better a lot sooner. Of course, the story wouldn't have turned out the same way, and so it's all good, but it definitely shifted how I see, how I view the system as a whole. And I learned that the body is capable of so much more than we give it credit for, and how we approach healthcare right now really devalues the natural capabilities of our bodies significantly. See, I didn't just restore my health. I got better than I ever was even before. I exceeded my prior best. I'm still exceeding it. And I believe, because I've seen it, this is innate and it's possible for everyone. I learned that not everyone will respond to the same treatment protocols, but to decide for someone else what is best for them without giving all the information to them is the opposite of healthcare. And I learned that I would be misunderstood even in this experience, an obstacle, and that was okay, that very few people really supported my new health perspective. And it didn't matter that it, there was the fact that it saved my life. They just, they didn't understand. I was told that I had six months to live, and at best, I would be limited and disabled my whole life and dependent on medication and government, and I would probably need in-home care. I defied every limitation, and my body did too. By the grace of God and a miraculous human body, I took everything I learned from that experience and I have been serving humanity in their homes ever since. A few years 
After I was better, I felt like it was time to apply all I had learned at a greater capacity. And I felt called to Nashville. I actually went there uh, one summer for my daughter's summer camp. And I, before we even landed, I was like, oh, I need to live here. I got to be here. So Kylie and I moved. We literally sold everything and um, only put into a, a used Ford Explorer what would fit. And off we went to Nashville. It's another crazy story. We'll save that for another episode. But when I got there, I realized I didn't want to be in healthcare. I didn't want people to pay me for what I thought they had the right to know. Uh, so I just wanted to give it away for free. So I started teaching Montessori school by day. And by night, I would teach local groups about how to eat for better health, how to supplement for hormones, and you know, just all the random information that I had learned. I was giving seminars about food, about wellness, about herbs, and I just wanted to give it all away for free. It was there that I actually created my first supplement brand, and it was called journey kit. And it was, uh, it was so cute. It was designed for people that traveled a lot to help just support their body's systems as, as they were on the road. And I really loved that little kit. Through the process of giving these seminars, I was introduced to a publisher. The publisher wanted to do a book. And then somehow I ended up with this book deal so much for trying to not do health for a career. Uh, that turned into meal planning and health coaching for musicians. I was making uh, vegan snacks for green rooms in Nashville, and that's how one of my brands started. It's called Hummish. Uh, it's it's a like a kind of like a hummus dip that's made with almonds, and it's not really hummus. It's kind of hum-ish, and so that just stuck. And uh, we did a whole article in the newspaper in Nashville about that, and it was this one particular product that I made that everybody wanted to have when I would come over to their house. This was the first place and the first time in my life where I actually didn't feel like I had to pretend. And it was so liberating and it was so wonderful. And I learned in Nashville that there are kind people in this world who just love deeply and they want to see others do well. And the community is this real, tangible thing. And it's vital. That I learned there that um, your title, the type of car that you drive, that the neighborhood that you live in didn't really matter quite as much. Um, unless you were in Green Hills, and that was a different story. But essentially, people were really interested in your story. You know, what made you you? I realized there that being rich isn't what we think it is. And that even in a town where barbecue is like the main deal, people were open to learning about plant-based diets. I'm actually not a vegan, by the way. But I got really good at making plant-based food products. I actually don't have a favorite diet. People are my favorite. So then we started planning this big book tour, and it took, I don't know, over a year for this book to get done, and we just waited on it, and so much was banking on it, and I was planning for this big, you know, shift in my career. And then about a month after it released, my dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. So I ended up going back to Arizona. It was already very, very late stage, and I knew that this book tour was not going to happen. And I needed to let that dream go along with Nashville, which is where I really loved being. I was anticipating that my dad would get better because I had such high hopes <laughs> for healing. Though I just, you know, the human body is just like this, this wonder to me. So I, I wouldn't have expected any less. Unfortunately, it was so far into it and had already metastasized to other organs. He ended up passing away about three months after he was diagnosed. It was very, very fast. Uh, I stayed in Arizona mostly because I knew that the career stuff and the things that I had going in Nashville, there was nothing to rush back for. So I stayed in Arizona to be with family. 
and to help out um, with, you know, the arrangements and so on from the loss of my dad. And while I was in Arizona, I decided I would make this snack bar with a friend of mine who we had partnered prior on the supplement company in Nashville. And so started making some snack bars and they were called Go Be Happy. And each bar had its own little individual element that made it special. And they were real food, like whole food, and they were delicious. And we went through so many different types of packaging and they were an absolute mess. And the oil was seeping through the the paper. I mean, it was just, it was a mess, but we learned a lot. We learned a lot, that's for sure. The snack bars, the book, and some other projects I was working on actually took me to LA. My friend in Nashville connected me to some people in Los Angeles and, you know, it's just a six hour drive. So off I went to LA to meet up with some people and talk about what I was doing in the health and wellness space. Well, that turned into meeting a consulting group that was going to help me market the snack bars, take them to the market. Um, And then they became business partners on that almond dip uh, on Hummish. And we started manufacturing that and started, you know, small out of my kitchen, figuring out how to make good flavors, came up with like 20 different flavors. It was a whole thing. But while the scaling was happening, I... I had to stay in LA because there was a requirement for me to be at the factories. And while I didn't plan on staying in LA, uh, while I was there working on the food, I was actually given this really amazing opportunity to create this new advanced healthcare concept with a couple of people. It was this clinic that would provide preventative health options like cryotherapy and genetic testing and IV therapy, things like that. In the process, I was able to apply my research and experience and further dig into like the cutting edge technology. And I was able to design unique programs that merged ancient therapies with more advanced kind of quantum systems. And I realized uh, that what I had been doing my whole life, this experimenting with supplements and sleep and exercise and diets and all these other strange things that I had been you know, trying in the course of getting better, I, I realized there's a name for that. I didn't know until I was there. And it's, they, they call it biohacking. And so while I don't particularly love that name, it was something that made sense to other people. But more importantly, I felt like I belonged. Like I'm like, I'm not the only one who's so strange to be experimenting to see how I can have optimal wellness. Now that I'm healed, what more do I have? What is the, what is the true limit? What is my potential? And, and to know that other people were doing this too, you know, created this really fun community and, um, and it helped me to really expand my knowledge and, and explore some new concepts that I hadn't explored before um, outside the scope of standard healthcare and even naturopath medicine. And within a year of being in LA, the health clinic was opened and I was manufacturing the snack bars in Northern California. I was selling them in Arizona and California. The almond dip was becoming more full-time, so I exited the clinic and I started scaling food products and I ended up formulating a bunch of other ones. So I was formulating in my little kitchen in Santa Monica. I was scaling them. I was learning all about food science and, and, and food labeling. I spent a lot of time in factories. I started to become more involved in consumer trend research and understanding just the psychology around the food industry and why they, make, why they market it the way they market it and how that whole thing works. And I was able to see how the corporate business structure was as odd and off in the health industry as it was in any other company that I had ever worked with as a risk manager. I actually started realizing that the food industry had a lot of similarities 
to the healthcare industry, that there was this interesting, uh, this foundational component of sales, 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 but not under the guise of like helping people and healthy living, but the, the things that were being done actually opposed what would contribute to healthy living. I ended up working longer hours and poured more of myself into those brands that I was building than I would have ever thought possible. It cost me a lot. In fact, it, it actually cost me everything. I left everything to be there. My daughter, my family, my home in Nashville, so many other opportunities that came about that would have actually been way more fun <laughs> in hindsight. <laughs> if it had been for me, this food industry stuff, I would have quit a long time ago. But I realized in being in it that there is not an advocate, there's very rarely an advocate in these factories. And I'm so passionate about health. And I really believe that people deserve to have somebody speaking up for them in their factories, the people who are making the food. I believe that people deserve to have advocates in education and in healthcare. When I formulate food, I'm formulating as a mom, as a friend, as a daughter, ensuring that what I make behind the closed corporate doors is something that I would serve my own family. It seems irrelevant, but it really isn't. Because everything we eat, every healthcare choice we make is personal, but it is either healing or it's hurting us. There really isn't an in-between. There's not really a gray area. At this point, I have worked with thousands of people and by the time they get to me, they have already got some health issue regardless of age. I see the after effects of bad diet and health choices literally all day long. I hear the stories that are usually told to me through their tears. I, I've met an incredible amount of people who are also working behind the scenes to make things better, and they're experiencing the same stuff. It's like there's this kind of this, this underground group of people that are all sharing the truth about how they feel, but it's just, it's not, somehow it's not rising to the surface where people aren't aware that they're not alone, that almost everyone feels like there's something wrong. I was told when I got to LA that I needed to be ruthless. And if I wanted to do well there, I had to be less kind, that I was too sweet, that I shouldn't say y'all, and that I needed to harden up. I was told that I would need to choose a specialty so that I could brand myself and build marketing around it because doing all these different things was way too confusing for people and it, and it, and it, didn't, it didn't project well in, in marketing. I was told I should capitalize on my celebrity clientele and use their names so that I could charge more money, that I should wear a chef coat. I was told I should act this way, not that way, that I should say this, but not that. At this point, pretending wasn't just like not on my agenda, but it was painful and impossible to do. The greatest limitations placed upon me in LA in hindsight were actually self-imposed ones. I gave way too much credit to people that I shouldn't have left, let speak into my life at all. Nonetheless, I defied every limitation once again. I actually remained kind and sweet. And I did okay in L.A. I ended up falling in love with the people there. I spent an, a ton amount of time at the ocean, which is like one of my favorite places to be in the world. Started multiple companies, and I realized that what I specialize in is wholeness. 
And whether people understand that or not, it doesn't really matter. That's what I specialize in. I know so much about so many different things. It all boils down to one thing is becoming whole. I learned that humans have an immense capacity for resilience and adaptation and evolution. I learned that people are longing to belong, to be known and be seen and heard, but they spend an awful lot of time and energy pretending. I learned that success is making money while still maintaining integrity, honesty, and love. I learned that the best scientists still seek to prove themselves wrong, more so than to insist on being right. I learned that sometimes good people lie, and sometimes bad people send flowers, that we have to look deeper at everything, and that the light will eventually hit it all. I learned that the industries at large are not for humanity, regardless of what they say, but that there is a remedy. I learned that I'll continue to be misunderstood because how I live is counterculture. It always has been, and it always will be. But I like it like that. I learned that the most valuable education and knowledge is actually not found in books. So here I am behind this microphone. Apparently now I do podcasts. (laughs) I'm a personal trainer and a holistic nutritionist, a product innovator, a program designer, a scientist, a researcher, an herbalist, an author, a formulator, a risk manager, Definitely a risk taker, (laughs) a business owner, a healthcare advocate. I'm a doula and a Montessori school teacher. I mean, is that all too much? Or is it just what was necessary for me to defy the limitations? My daughter told me a couple weeks ago that she had this dream, and in her dream, she was crying and she was asking me to make sure to write down all this knowledge that I have, that I would make sure to put it all to paper, everything inside me, so that. She would have access to it if something should ever happen to me. It was right around that time that the conversation about this podcast started being tossed around. And the reality is it's not my knowledge. It's just the people that I've had the honor of being around, the ones who allowed for me to ask the questions, the ones who wanted to dig alongside me, who wanted to go after the truth too, who wanted to see people get better and believed in the potential of humans. It's all of those people that have given me the gift of this information, and I want to share it. And not just coming from my perspective, but bringing these people on and letting y'all listen in on the conversations that I'm so lucky to get to have on a regular basis. That's why I'm doing this. That's why I'm here. I've been so fortunate to see what I've seen. I've been front row to so many miracles. I've been privy to information that few others have. And I want to make sure that none of it goes to waste. So while this podcast was absolutely not part of my plan, neither were any of the other obstacles in my life that became some of my greatest gifts. And collectively, they have all helped me become whole, healthy, and free. So through this podcast, it's my desire that you will find hope and inspiration that you'll be able to identify the limitations, self-imposed or otherwise, and you'll get the tools that you need to break through every single one of them. We were designed to be victorious. We just have to dig for the truth a little bit and apply it. But it's within all of you. 
And my hope is that this will be a place that you can utilize as a resource to throw out the questions that maybe other people would think were stupid, but that you'd feel safe to ask them. And this is a place where real conversations can be had and real truth can be found. Thank you for listening to Whole, Healthy, and Free. I will be back soon with another edition of the podcast. I invite you to check out my next episode once it becomes available on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel. Until then, stay focused, insist on the truth, and do not quit. You are so much stronger than you realize.